the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't move. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Boo Birds podcast. My name is Joe Greenwich. I am joined, as always, by John Sager. John, two weeks in a row, we're potting again. Look at us. I know. We're, you know, <laughs> on a nice hot streak. John, I know the doldrums of winter are starting to give way to the uh, slightly more volatile weather time of the beginning of March. We had some rain the last couple of days, but some brightness on the horizon this afternoon, I watched a Phillies game. I did too, and I have to admit, I flip it on. I believe there's an error or a fielding mishap seconds after I turn it on. Did not recognize the name of said defender who mishandled the ball. I might never see him again, but it was still a wonderful thing to see. And, you know, it always gives you the little hope of, you know, something nice on the on the horizon. It's like the baseball and living color thing. You don't really have to pay attention to a spring training game too much. I certainly wouldn't score that game in pen. <laughs> but as is, you know, it's just great to see. And I, I can't think of a, a better soundtrack uh, to do my uh, to do my work from home. Well, speaking of the start of spring training games, it dovetails perfectly with our guest this week. You had a nice conversation with a gentleman who uh, he's from out of town, we'll say. That's right. I spoke to Dave Shaw. Uh, he is known more widely as UK Phillies. He's been featured on Phillies broadcast before. He's been very embraced by the team because we don't have too many fans from across the pond. Uh, he does have a podcast as well that I definitely want to mention. He digs into baseball from all angles. It's Broad Street to Britain, a UK Phillies podcast. You can also follow him on Twitter at UK Phillies. We're going to have your conversation with him in just a little bit. But first, why don't we take a look at what's gone on over the past week with our weekly segment where John reads the news. Joe, you thought last week's podcast was our last mention of Carson Wentz, right? I had hoped. You also thought you might be able to order a Wentz jersey with the number 11, right? I wasn't planning on it, but... His new Colts teammate, Michael Pittman, said that he won't give up his number 11 to his new quarterback. That seems like a bold move for someone with only 40 catches in his career. It's worth noting that would have ranked him second among Eagles wide receivers last year. Also a bold thing to do when the guy who you won't give the number to is almost single-handedly responsible for you getting the football. One would think it's not the best move, but I digress. Would this be the polar opposite of the Terrell Owens, that's my quarterback story? Yeah, I think it's more of the, that's not my quarterback. <laughs> for who, for what? Well, that what's not going to be J.J. Watt in an Eagles uniform. The defensive end signed a two-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals today. And what is, I would think, the most active NFL pre-offseason or pre-new season that I can remember. Definitely a lot of stars moving around this year. Joel Embiid racked up 42 points in an overtime loss to the Cavaliers. He ends February having scored under 20 points just once. And that was 18 points in a blowout win over the Toronto Raptors. So it's safe to say that he might 
you know, have a shot at Player of the Month again in February. The Flyers get a break off the ice. Jacob Voracek, Oscar Lindblom, Scott Lawton, and Justin Braun return to the team after clearing COVID protocols. On the ice, head coach Elaine Vigneault recorded his 700th career victory on Sunday. That moves him into a tie with Mike Babcock for 8th all-time. And finally, golfer Tiger Woods is recovering from multiple open fractures in his right leg. The golfer's future is in doubt after he sustained the injuries in a car accident last week. And that's the news. Hey Joe, what are you drinking? Well, after last week's bleach debacle that I'm still recovering from, just some good old-fashioned water. I got I got to hydrate, you know, for my voice, for 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 my, you know, restoration of my health. J- just good old-fashioned cold water. Hey John, what are you drinking? Also water. And that was what are you drinking? Brought to you by the fact that we're getting really old really quick. John, you touched on the Sixers a little bit there, and uh, they they had that that game on on Saturday night was it was kind of maddening because I hadn't seen the first part of the game. I, I was I was keeping tabs on it. Finally, was able to sit down and watch, and it was just one of those games where you never felt like they were going to lose that game, and then suddenly it was like oh. Well, maybe they're not going to win it either. And then it goes into overtime and just they could never get over the hump against the team that's not very good in the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they're not 0-2 against Cleveland. Kind of thing where, I don't know, we talked last week about when Simmons and, and Embiid are out, how it's not really the Sixers. Well, Tobias Harris was out on Saturday, out again tonight. We're recording while they're playing the Pacers, are currently dismantling the Pacers, taking out some of that frustration. So if it turns out they lose this game, it's not our fault, I promise. But, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of of that sort of game, other than the fact that it's just one of those frustrating games that you have to win, even without one of your top couple of guys. But the one thing I took from it was the very last play of the game, down six, they push the ball up the floor. Ben Simmons shakes off a defender, steps into a perfect three-pointer. Just the perfect icing on a WTF cake of a night. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it was a weird game. It, you just got the sense, especially in the second half, it's like, oh, wait a minute. You know, something's something's not right here. You know, that's something not being right as Seth Curry going one for 13. You know, that's that's an anomaly. Overall, though, I did want to mention Ben Simmons. He's been playing very well lately. I think the main thing for him down the stretch is going to be finding some consistency. In the game against Dallas last week, there was a stretch where he was driving to the basket with authority. He just had some beautiful moves to get to the basket. He was also just in open space doing what he does best. Defensively, though... I loved the intensity. He had probably the perfect response to a bad performance at the line. Like he's actually been shooting free throws better as of late, but he missed both free throws. And then on the other end, he came, you know, across the top of the key to pick someone's pocket. And that led to to fast break points. And that's the kind of response you want one of your leaders to have. It's I didn't get it done on one end of the floor, but I'm going to make it up for it on the other end and he did that and I think it's time we recognize his greatness I know obviously people know he's good on the defensive end but I think it's time that we realize that 
you know, maybe he's not going to be the offensive player that we need him to be right now, but I think he's making progress to become that guy. And I'm thinking we're seeing the first true progression of him to realizing that number one overall pick potential. I think this is the year under Doc Rivers. I'm just seeing him take those steps and I'm loving what I've seen the last, you know, maybe two or two to three weeks. I I can't remember who it was, but there have been players that have referred to him as the best defensive player in the league, which is, you know, pretty high praise. And especially when you have Joel Embiid in the middle of that same defense, um, I, I, I have no problem with him not being a, a 20 point per game score. Uh, obviously growth and progression are good, but if he starts to, you know, goose those numbers up and you got to wonder where does that come from? Does, does that come from him taking more shots, which takes shots away from Embiid? Does that keep Embiid engaged? And this is all like down the road stuff. It, it, beating the dead horse here, you, you want to see the jump shot, you know, and it j- just just to keep other teams honest. And, and I know I've said alternately that I think he needs to add a three point shot and also that I don't care about the three point shot thing. You know, like that is what will be the ultimate in growth and progression from him. He doesn't have to make it all the time. He just has to make it reliably enough that defenses have to keep it honest and that will open up so much more of the game for him and everybody else but to see him dominate in other ways as someone who maybe you know we've talked about my soccer fandom and how scoring is not the be-all end-all for me I, I don't mind defense I don't mind a well-pitched baseball game so to see someone dominate the game in facets other than scoring 25 30 40 points a game is something that I enjoy and to see him do it in a Sixers uniform. Now I am going to say that game against Cleveland the other night, they were wearing those abominations that are supposed to look like boathouse row. And they had the, the weird paint on the court. Let's stop doing that. Let's just stick with the red, white, and blue. It's the most successful color scheme in world history. Let's stick with it. Let's stick with the, the big, red and blue 76 on the floor. That's, that's something I could go on about for hours. We've talked about it over and over again, but the reality is that the Sixers are coming up on the all-star break. They're going to have a few days off with the exception of Embiid and Simmons, which to me is kind of problematic, but um, they're going to have a tougher second half schedule than they did in the first half. We're going to see what they're really made out of. And we're going to see, I, I mean, honestly, we're going to see what kind of leaders Simmons and Embiid are, for real, as they start to to play these games. They're going to come thick and fast because the NBA is going to want to get all the games in and they're wanting, going to want to get their playoffs done before the Olympics. So I'm a little concerned from a health standpoint, but otherwise just, you know, keep plugging along and... uh you know, they're going to be on TV every other night and they're going to have a better than average chance to win. And that's really all you can ask for. Across the street at Citizens Bank Park, preparations are underway for the start of the 2021 season. The news broke today that the state of Pennsylvania is lifting some of its COVID-19 restrictions. 
It is now incumbent upon the city of Philadelphia to decide, you know, how far they're going to go. We still have a month until opening day. Consensus is we're going to have fans in the building during this baseball season. How many remains to be seen. What also remains to be seen is what are those fans going to see? The games have finally gotten underway. Uh, not not exactly the the best start to the spring training schedule. Uh, Adam Hazley led it off with a home run, and then I believe two Phillies pitchers gave up a combined six runs, and Joe Girardi, in literally the first inning of the spring, invoked the mercy rule that baseball has put into effect this year, where managers can just call an inning off when their pitchers have thrown too many pitches. Um, if only that was in place at the end of real games last year, I think it would have been a very different season for the Phillies. But uh, how do you feel as a fan? You know, we just we mentioned flicking on the TV and seeing a game. How do you feel now that the games are getting underway? How is the excitement building? Well, like every year, pitchers and catchers is a day that is circled on the calendar but I think you forgot one important thing. We are one day into the baseball season and an announcer has already ripped Angel Hernandez on TV. <laughs> Baseball's back. You know, I saw the clip of the the pitch in question and I got to be honest, I'm with Angel Hernandez on that one. It was a close pitch. You see it called either way. An absolutely terrible frame job by the catcher. When you move that much, you're never getting that call. I don't know who was catching for the Cardinals yesterday. I really hope it wasn't Yadi Molina, but whoever it was, he needs to go back to pitch framing school because that was awful and he didn't deserve the call. I don't care who the umpire is. You siding with Angel Hernandez. I think that actually might be for once enough baseball talk for now because we're <laughs> going to have a lot coming up after the break. Well, then without further ado, why don't we take a break? And when we come back, We'll have John's conversation with Dave Shaw, better known as at UK Phillies, all the way from the south coast of England. Stick around. We'll be right back on the Bluebirds podcast. I'm here with faithful Phillies fan Dave Shaw. Dave has had a bit of an uncommon route to watching South Philadelphia baseball. I say that because he's from the United Kingdom. Dave, thanks for joining the Bluebirds. Great to be on. Thank you for having me on, guys. This, uh, this is going to be fun. So let's start with the basics. What part of the UK are you from, and what was your sports background like before you visited Philadelphia? Uh, so I am from a city called Southampton. Just live on the outskirts by a big uh, nature reserve called the New Forest. About a little bit about... An hour, an hour and a bit away from London, uh, central south coast, can't go any further east or west, slap bang middle, can't go any further south. Uh, lovely area, really nice. Uh, my sporting background is, I love my sports. Uh, so mainly, obviously, soccer, uh, big Brighton Hove Albion fan. I uh, love my Formula One, love my motorsports, uh, tennis, rugby, NFL, uh, ice hockey, and obviously baseball. I'm just, a, in general, a 
a huge sports fan in, in general. So uh, adding baseball to my list back in 2012 was, was a pretty awesome experience. You have an unusual path to be, being a Phillies fan. There aren't too many Phillies fans from the UK. The only one that I could think of is Christopher Guest of Spinal Tap fame. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in general, it's a very, you know, localized thing. Um, can you describe how you not only came to follow the Phillies, but became a, a passionate fan? Uh, so it all began back in 2012. I was uh, backpacking around America for a good six weeks, and Philly was the last place on my on my tour. I'd gone from sort of uh, northwest down the west coast, and sort of south and zigzagging through the south up in the middle of it, then down to Florida and up the east coast, and made my way to Philadelphia. And uh, straight away when I got there, it was it was I don't know something reminiscent of me, like something. It reminded me a lot of where I was from, born and bred over here in the UK, up in up in Yorkshire. Very proud people, very working class, very passionate people, uh, and loved their sports. So I was straight away intrigued. I wasn't into baseball at all at the time, uh, so I was staying in a hostel, and the guys there had some spare tickets to the Phillies Pirates game, and uh, they offered me to come along. I said, "Yeah, I'll give it a go. I'm open to picking up baseball. That's cool." A lot of people say it's like it's like rounders, uh, as I was back then. How little did I know? Uh, and then, yeah, went to the game, went to Citizens Bank Park, and uh, the whole experience was just incredible from then on. So you pull up, and you see the stadiums, you're sort of driving on the highway, and then you see all the stadiums come into vision. You're like, wow, because we have nothing like that here in the UK. You just get the one, one stadium, usually a soccer stadium or a rugby stadium. Uh, so to have free... You know, there were the Eagles, uh, Wells Fargo, Xfinity Live, and then Citizens Bank Park. I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is really cool. You know, this is I'm digging this already. Um, so I got there, able to walk around the ballpark before the game. That's unusual because again, UK, you you can just stay in your seat pretty much, and then use the sort of concourse that you're in. Uh, so you're not able to walk around the whole ballpark. So that was awesome already. I done walked all the way around. It's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm digging this. This is cool. Uh, then the game started and I had no idea what was going on. So I had a very patient woman explain everything that was going on as uh, as we were watching. And I was picking it up. I was like, okay, there's a lot more to this than swinging the ball out and running around bases. I was like, okay, this is this is cool. Uh, Chase Utley had just came off the uh, IL, or the DL as it was back then, and uh, hit a home run. And uh, everyone went crazy. And I could see all the Utley shirts on uh, Utley name on the back of all the shirts. And I thought, okay, this guy is obviously a big deal. He's just hit a home run. People are going crazy right now. People are saying this is going to be the spark of the season. And I was like, okay, I was getting the vibe. I was getting the atmosphere. I was getting the passion. I was like, yeah, this is this is cool. And uh, the game, well, Philly's lost, <laughs> which is the sign of things to come. Um, but it just sucked me in. It, the whole experience just sucked me in. Um, I went back a day later to the ballpark tour. Uh, I went to see the other two games in the series. And then... I went home, flew out from Newark after that, shortly after that, went home, looked up all the Phillies, uh, World Series 2008, uh, 1993 season, just looked them all up on YouTube, got into the history, and then lost many nights sleep <laughs> since following. And uh, I go back every year, obviously not last year because of COVID, but uh, yeah, I've been back either to do some road trips across the West Coast, um, follow the Phillies for a couple of weeks, and then fly back or come out to the East Coast and see them at Citizens Bank Park. So uh Yep, 2012, it got me hooked, and uh, I haven't looked back. That's always something I wanted to do. I've never gone out and done the, the West Coast Tour. Did you have any favorite stadiums while you were oh, out there? Uh, San Diego. Petco Park was uh, – was, 
I love San Diego as well. When I got there, that was I'd been there before, obviously, when I did my original trip in 2012. So going back to San Diego and watch the Phillies at Petco Park was was really cool. Um, so, um, San Francisco Giants, that was unique. Um, it's amazing because I've been to San Fran before as well, but never actually been to the ballpark. Sort of seen it. I was like, oh, that's cool, but never. But to actually go there, sit by the bay, just again, the experience was was awesome. And then um, D backs, that was hot. Man, I'm a I'm a pasty white Brit. That that heat was in the middle of summer. Everybody there as well, like even people from Phoenix were going, "You crazy being here in the summer?" Everyone goes west to California. You've come the other way. Um, but the the welcome there was really nice. The people of Phoenix were, were great. Uh, Chase Field is a huge ballpark. Very, it was pretty empty. D-backs weren't doing too well then, so uh, pretty much everyone was just there for Goldie. Pretty much uh, D-back fans. So. Um, very echoey. Uh, thankfully, I had a bit of aircon in there, uh, but really impressed with that ballpark. Actually, I can imagine when that's full, that gets pretty noisy. Um, and then I finished off in Coors Field uh, in Rockies at that particular tour, and um, that was awesome. Denver is is awesome. Love love Denver. Love staying again, staying in a hostel in downtown, and the, the ballpark Coors Field just down from from where I was staying. Uh, again, people were great. Great ballpark. Plenty of dingers in that one. I thought that was just a myth. People, people going, you're going to see so many home runs at Coors Field. It's just with the altitude and wow, yeah, that ball was flying. Um, but yeah, they they stick out for me. I used to live in Arizona a very, very long time ago, so I definitely can <laughs> empathize with what it's like to to step outside. And it doesn't matter. I know they'll, they'll call it like a dry heat. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. some point, 95 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit is still just very hot. Yeah, it, it's temperatures that I've never even close to experienced. Um, like it, way double what we got over here. Even just even the breeze is like opening an oven door and having that warm blast in your face. I could not call off. I was, man, I couldn't. I wanted to explore the city, um, which wasn't really a lot to downtown Phoenix. Um, but I had to wait till the evening just to just to sort of go out. I literally got an Uber to, to and from the ballpark to where I was staying and just anywhere that had aircon, I was, was, was heavenly, but it was cool. The experience was cool. I'd never been that heat before. I'd never been in the desert before. Uh, so that was all, that was all really cool. The experience, I don't think I'd go back because uh, well, sort of once you've done it, you've done it. I don't want to get that hot again, really. I can't handle it, um, but it was, it was a cool experience. I really enjoyed it. You have to pick and choose the time of year. I remember one time, uh, it was probably about four years old, and we had the smallest snow flurry. Oh, and they actually let us out of class uh, just, just to see the snow. And just It's like, hey, there's this thing. You might not see it again. That's cool. That's cool. I was going to say, is even seeing on the news reports recently with Texas getting a whole lot of ice and snow, it's like, wow, I, I didn't think snow even existed in that part of the world. It's very rare. Unfortunately, in Philadelphia, you know, we've been surrounded by nothing but snow I've for seen, what seems yeah. like a couple of weeks. So we're very much looking forward to, you know, the images of spring training and you know, yeah, just yeah. seeing like, oh, it's, you know, it's warm somewhere. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. So just going back to, to baseball, just as you're picking it up, it's not an easy game to follow without some background. I know you mentioned you had the one person kind of helping you out there. Something like the infield fly roll probably didn't make sense for a little while. And I'm sure, you know, at some point it might not even still make sense. I know sometimes every once in a while, like when, you know, if you're at a game and you're kind of half paying attention, it's like, wait a minute, what, what just happened? Yeah, um, yeah. 
So how did you learn to follow the game that's been kind of formed around like a over a century of nuance and like minutia, like little things like that? Um, so I bought the MLB The Show for the PlayStation. That helped massively. That really helped me pick up on some rules. I also found out that uh, I, there was a team just around the corner from me uh, living over here. So I, I joined and played up and played some double A ball as well. So that really helped me get into it. Um, the infield fly, you know what? I don't even, even when I was playing, I didn't know when it was happening. I just knew if the ball popped up and I was on base, I was likely to just be staying where I am, unless there was two outs, obviously. But yeah, it's it, when you're there at the game again, it's quite hard to follow because usually you've got the, the commentary on when you're watching going pop up, uh, umpire's signal for an infield fly. But uh, the rules are even still now, I've got to say, I sometimes I'm watching, I'm like, I don't think you could do that. You know, so it's it's such a complex. Which is why I enjoy baseball. There's so much complexity to it, and that's why I love explaining to new people, the fans over here, that because we got a lot of new fans all the time to baseball. Um, a lot of new Philly fans coming on board. And I just I just love saying that, or even people that ask me about it. A lot of my friends ask me about it because none of them really follow baseball. It's like, oh, we saw this on uh, BBC News, like it's highlights play or a grand slam, and they're asking me what it's about, and they go, oh, okay, that's cool. And then more questions get asked, and then they. And then they eventually go, oh, I'll, I'll try watch a game. And, and uh, some of my friends have watched some games and have got into it as well because it's like I had the same opinion of it when I first watched it. It's just like rounders. You bat a ball and you run around the base. But there's so much more to that. And it's a mentally, the, the mental side of it, I love. You know, just uh, you on the mound. I didn't appreciate that as much until I started playing. And even double-A standard here is probably – you know, there's, there's 10 year olds better than I am in America to the standard we play, but we just play for fun because we love the game. Um, but just being on the on the mound or in the batter's box, it's still the same pressure, you know. It's just you v him, and you gotta you gotta know what he's gonna do. We'll preempt what he's gonna do when you're on base. You gotta make decisions all the time. You always gonna be thinking whether you're defending or offense. I love that side of the mental game, and then for the MLB players, like you times that by a million. You know, it's just they're one of the best. Who can handle the pressure the best in big situations? I absolutely love all that, which really helps me grow fond of the game of baseball. So uh, yeah. So is there a, a bit of a like a, a baseball community, especially for for playing over in the UK? I know uh, over here, I believe there's a, like a hurling community for for those who don't know. It, I believe it's a pri primarily uh, Irish sport. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah the only reason I, Irish, I know yeah. that is because my sister lives in Ireland and I sort of had a, a similar experience just watching it on TV one time where yeah. it was, wait a minute, this game seems like loads of fun. Why haven't I seen this before? Yeah. So is, is there a, a bit of a, a community? Yeah. So the playing side of it, it's, it's a little bit underground still. Um, the playing side, there's a great community. You know, if there's one thing that's exactly the same from baseball being played in America to the UK, is people's passion and love and team camaraderie. Like I've played all sports all for all sorts of teams growing up. And baseball is just the team camaraderie is so different because everyone's together no matter what. There's no one picking people out and going, oh, you should have done that and you should be playing better. It's just, it's hard to describe, it's, but it's just the, I don't know. It's everybody is there for each other. It's a proper team bond, proper team. It's like a family. You know, when I, I played for six years baseball and I don't anymore because I've got little now and at times just, I don't, I don't have the time to practice or play, but you felt like a part of a family when you're with the baseball team. And I never felt that playing any other sports. And 
that's the same in America. And the passion for the game, when, when you're out there playing on the diamond, it's the same intensity. We both want to win, but everyone's smiling. Everyone enjoys playing baseball. And that's something else I haven't seen in other sports playing here because the desire to win at all costs in any other sport you play, especially soccer, takes the fun out of it. Where baseball, hey, you lose, you lose. But then everyone goes to the bar and has a drink afterwards and gets some food and you interact with different teams that travel from over the country that come down or you go there. It's a day out as well. That's the great thing. You travel quite away because the baseball teams are quite spread out, predominantly London which means it's a bit of a day out for us, an early start. But then you get there, you meet the other guys and the other team, you're chatting baseball straight away. And that's so rare around here. You know, it's hard to find, you can't just walk the street and go, oh, did you see the game last night? Because no one will have a clue what you're talking about. So to actually talk to fellow baseball you know, players and fans as well, that's a great experience. Uh, and then a community of of who people support. Yeah, there's, there's quite a there's quite an ever-growing community. It helped having the... Uh, the international game here, the Yankees Red Sox at London Stadium, that was incredible. You know, that baseball over here was booming. And it's such a shame they had to cancel it last year because the UK was riding a bit of a tidal wave, you know, a real momentum of baseball being big in this country. Because the Yankees Red Sox game got a lot of attention, a lot of media attention. A lot of people watched it because it was uh, on free to air TV. And it was, it really got going. It was a surge of people wanting to play the game. Uh, and then COVID sort of killed all that. But there's a lot of there's a lot of communities on social media. There's a lot of meetups. Uh, so I'm part of a MLB UK community group, which sets up events in London. Um, and then before COVID all happened, we'd have one monthly meetups for invite to all fans come down. We've, we've got this brilliant sports bar who we work with, who host all sorts of events, and uh, they put on. So we put on five, six different games on the five dif- different screens. PlayStation with the, the MLB show on, uh, a bit of beer pong, and uh, just we invite everyone to come down, even if they're not fans or even if they're curious about the game, everyone come down, get involved. And the events have been brilliant. You know, we, we've had so many people coming down. You know, we're talking hundreds at times, especially during the over the London series. And uh, people come down, they watch some games, they watch their team, or they ask questions and get involved. And it was, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great community. It's a, it's again, it's like no other sports. The community is, it's a little bit of banter. Um, between but two different sets of fans, but everybody wants the same thing in this country. That is to grow baseball, and that's so rare because soccer is already huge, rugby is already huge, motorsports everywhere is huge. Everyone's got these big tribal rivalry between each other. Whereas we sort of have that friendly banter, you know, me and the Mets fans, the Marlins fans, and Braves fans, we'll have a bit of banter. But at the end of the day, we all come together to try and bring the sport up in this in this country. Um, so it's it's a yeah, it's a all the UK accounts on Twitter. We're on a WhatsApp group and often discussing baseball and how we can, what we can do in this country to make it bigger and better. So uh, yeah, there's a, there's an ever growing community, which is um, hoping this year with a full season, we can all get back out, get to meet up again and, and again, get back to where we were and keep uh, trying to grow the great game here. It actually answers a, a question that I had in mind because I know over here, you know, the NFL London series mm-hmm. is a big deal. And then yep. um, I, although I've never, I'm never quite sure how much of a big deal it is for people in London because oh, it's huge. You just, I think it seems like it's a as much of anything an opportunity for people in the U.S. to go to London. I, mm. I remember well, the Eagles fans came over in their thousands. Yeah, that was incredible. I remember one time, it was a couple of years ago, uh, when I had a vacation in London. Uh, 
we were on a flight that was filled with Ravens fans. It had to be 60% purple jerseys going over there. So it looks like, you know, there is a bit of a, you know, an opportunity in the UK for, you know, for baseball to grow. And it's it's something I hadn't hadn't thought of as necessarily being, you know, an open market for it. Yeah, because a lot of baseball fans, like with with Phillies fans, uh, a lot of them have first come from Eagles. A lot of them are four for fours. Uh, so Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, predominantly Eagles, and then they'll dip their toes into baseball, which is where I get them. Get them in. Come on. Follow the Phillies as well. Um, and same with a lot of others like uh, Oriole fans, probably Raven fans, uh, Twins fans, uh, first of all, were um, Vikings fans, and so on. So NFL has helped people look at the teams they support in NFL and go, oh, they've got a baseball team or a basketball team, and they sort of dip their toes in there and then get immersed um, and the NFL is huge in, in the UK. That's one of the fastest growing sports over here. It's it's massively watched, massively followed. Every single game sells out easily. You know, it's so tough to get NFL. To, let's to the Jaguars because nobody wants to watch the Jaguars. Um, but but, it, but still, it, you know, it's still a good 70,000 people, you know, 78,000 people. The big games draw in full house of 90,000. So many come over from America. And that's what baseball need over here. We needed that. It was meant to be Cardinals Cubs last year playing in London. We needed that again. We needed another full house. The Yankees Red Sox games, both days, full house, um, eighty thousand people, amazing atmosphere. It just you just felt when you're at that game that baseball's got a huge chance over here. And it's such a shame that the Cards and Cubs could never come over in the end. But it'll it'll come back. I, I know Europe have got MLB Europe have got plans to bring it back over here, whether it be London or Europe. So it's just it's just a year lost. We'll we'll get it back. So as far as following baseball over there, I think you probably have the reverse experience of American soccer fans yeah, because they typically have to get up very early to watch teams over the weekend. Uh, I know my co-host Joe is one of them. Uh, He's a late (laughs) riser by nature. And then every once in a while when I see him tweet something at, you know, 8 a.m. on a Saturday, I know he's, he's probably watching soccer. <laughs> so how do you follow a team that starts so late about cool. you know, six to seven days a week? And I imagine day games have to be circled on your calendar. Oh, uh, yeah. Like I've already put a schedule out on Twitter for everyone for our season's day games. <laughs> Sundays are great. Uh, it's, it's tough. I ain't going to lie. It's going to sound strange to you guys over there, but it's mentally tough. Um, so the majority of the games evening games start at five past midnight. Uh, when you've got work at 7 a.m. next morning, it's it's hard. You get, it's, it's funny. You get to like 11 o'clock at night and you get the notification on your phone saying the Phillies start at an hour. It's like, oh, by the time I get ready for bed, time I get in bed, I might be able to catch the first inning. So you catch the first, and then it's like, by the time you get to bed and it's like midnight, it's like, okay, we'll watch the first inning. <laughs> One inning turns to two, two turns to four. <laughs> it's like, before you know it, it's two in the morning, and the Phillies are still in a close game. And some some nights I just can't I can't go to bed. I have to see the outcome. And last year was brutal with the amount of blown saves and blown blown leads that we kept slipping. It was Brandon Workman was a was a, a thing of nightmares. <laughs> it's just like I can't even describe three in the morning and watching him come on the mound and blow games. I that was painful. It's not every night you'd stay up. You, you know, I would try and go to sleep and then turn off all your notifications. So I'll get up extra early in the morning, say about half an hour early. And then you've got to play the game of 
sort of squinting your eyes on your phone and try and get the MLB app up and then try and go on to the highlights, still squinting your eyes. So, you, so no, no spoilers on there. So uh, that's, that's an art in itself. Many, many, many fans in the UK play that game in the morning where they just squint their eyes wide enough. So they, and by that, you know, where you, you know where exactly where the highlight button is. So you top tap screen, tap screen, you know, your game's at the top, tap again, and you tap a little bit to the left. So, you know, it's your feed. And then hopefully it comes on without any scores coming up or anything. It sounds bizarre, but that's that's the way which we try and do it about blowing what's happened. And then breakfast, watch the highlights. Uh, yeah, many many a cornflakes spilt watching watching us blow leads again in the mornings. Uh, and then day games are usually six p.m. over here, so uh, spring training's great. Whole month of baseball. I know it's only spring training, but we got to we got to make the most of it, you know. We got a whole month of UK fixtures, so uh, yeah, we'll watch that. West Coast a little bit different. They most of those games start at three a.m., so it's actually not too bad. If I don't know if I can set my alarm for five, I'll get a good second half of the game in before I go to work. So that that's cool. Well, some West Coast games are still going on by seven a.m. here, so I'm going to work watching baseball, which is which is quite cool. Um, but do do you experience by the time you get September, you you're physically knackered, like you're mentally knackered. Because you lose a lot of sleep, especially if the Phillies are still in the running, like they have been last two Septembers. I stayed up and nearly watched every game at night. Like I was dead for work the next day. But you power through it. The, the, you drink the Red Bulls and caffeine, and it, it honestly it ruins you. Like in October, I was like, I was gutted we were out, it didn't make the postseason. But at the same time, you take a whole month just to recoup and get back into a sleeping pattern. And then by December, by November, December, you're you're ready to go again. It's like, come on, like now I'm I'm ready. I'm absolutely ready for this new season, especially where I think we've got a really really good chance again. So yeah, having every fan in the UK now, we've all we're all char- recharged and ready to go. Do you see yourself being like JoJo Romero and just chugging the red bull? <laughs> work, yeah, can over the head. Let that's how I walk into work every morning. Yeah, swig a red bull, can over the head, just get this day done with. Uh, yeah, it's exactly like that. Uh, top up at lunchtime. I know from my sister living in Ireland uh, that international broadcasters happily mention you know the Philadelphia fan base's reputation for something like booing Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> she's definitely texted me a couple of times where you know that was that was mentioned. Um, so, what were your first thoughts of Philadelphia in general, and how has it changed since you uh, you know you first came here? And you've been back a few times. Are there any uh, spots that you like to visit? You know, obviously Citizens Bank Park, but, uh, you know, anything else? Yeah, I the first thing I do when I, well, the, the next day, so I'll catch up with sleep, get into the sleep pattern. And then what I love to do is get in a, a taxi down to Old Town and walk all the way up to the museum and beyond, up to, up to Schoogle. I love I love walking around Philly. Start in Old Town, go to gyms on South Street, go to get my cheesesteak down there. Uh, and last time I walked all the way to Delisandro's, which is right up in the north, sort of North Philly, um, balmy hot day. But I just love walking down downtown uh, through the more Love Park, up to the Rocky Steps, hang out there. Uh, and then I got a bike yeah, and I cycled up to Schoogle and then ended up at Delisandro's for another cheesesteak because everyone recommended it. So I was like, I need to try this place a lot further than I thought. I keep forgetting to realize that how, how big America is and how big places are on the map. It's like, oh, it's only there. And from like the distance between Delisandro's and downtown Philly is like the same for me walking to my local shops on a map. Uh, so I got to the, just 
well, for the museum, I started walking up towards the Schoogle. I looked at the map and like, this is getting no closer. So I managed <laughs> to hire a bike and um, from the uh, road, it's one of the road, you know, the rowing club place uh, on the Schoogle just up from the museum. Yep. Yeah. So guy there said, oh, you can hire a bike there. It's like, oh, cool. So I cycled up, but I just, I love Philly. And then uh, I always try and get out to Valley Forge. Love, love Valley Forge in that whole area. The first, uh, the second time, well, the first time I flew back out to the States, 2013, uh, I stayed around that area uh, in a hotel just because it's a cheaper hotel I can get. It was quite far out of downtown more than I thought, but the area was stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, around Malvern, Paoli, those sort of areas. There's little little communities outside of Philly. Um, Paoli's lovely. You know, and Wayne, um, yeah, those, those areas are, are great. You know, I, I, if I want to book some time off hopefully next year a good week or so and then try and get out to Lancaster and Hershey and try and do a proper tour of Pennsylvania because I try and go to new areas every time uh I stayed in Fishtown last time uh people said it's an up-and-coming place area I was like okay I stayed in Airbnb and, and Fishtown was really cool people were it's a lot like the vibe to it just out of Old Town as well not too far up uh some real nice diners real nice people uh yeah I, I i just love i love i love philly it just just resonates with me you know i i love the i feel like it's my second home people are so friendly uh always asking questions when i'm around just because they recognize the accent it's like oh we don't usually get brits over this way uh reading market reading terminal love that place uh god my mind's gone blank it's just so many areas of philly i love wandering around. i just love walking around the city you know i really do I wasn't going to put you on the spot of what's your favorite cheesesteaks. I know that's probably the most divisive oh. argument possible, but it sounds like you at least have a hankering G for Jim's and, Jim's and Della Sandro's, yeah. yeah. Those, those are my yeah, two favorites, so that, that, Excellent. that's perfect. Yeah. It's very controversial. People go, because uh, people, as like, uh, I've, been to, I've been to all of them. And uh, yeah, actually, I'm not going to cause controversy for the ones I'm not big fans of, but Della Sandro's, Jim's, they're, they're my two absolute go-tos. So I think you, like, Phillies fans on the side of the pond, you've probably had enough of the rebuild. Uh, you haven't been able to experience the thrill of a full Phillies playoff team. No. It's been way too long. Uh, so were there moments throughout the rebuild where you ever thought maybe I should have gone with the Dodgers or the Astros or Hell no. maybe the Cubs? No, no, no. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, you know, like I said, I've been in sports pretty much all my life following like my soccer team, we were, before we got to the Premier League, we were down in the lower leagues for so long. You ride the highs with the lows. And especially with a team like Philadelphia, when the highs come, especially with most losing his team in baseball, the highs are going to be incredible. You know, and like my, again, my soccer team, we were low for years and years and years. You know, we were nearly kicked out of the football leagues. We were just a tiny little team playing in tiny stadiums. And then the good years started to roll in. We got consecutive promotions. We finally got to the Premier League. And that year when we got to the Premier League, it was incredible. That, that journey, that 15-year that journey was just, just incredible. And I know, you know, it's been a tough 10 years now, playoff drought. But even just making the playoffs is going to be, if we, if we can find it this year, that moment will be incredible. And then whatever success comes, you know, I, I, I love sporting Philly because people can't accuse me of being an, a bandwagoner or, oh, you're only sporting them because they win those the games because we don't, you know, but the fan base as well is just amazing. It's exactly the same over here as the fans over there. We know, we know what the Phillies are. It, we know that we're going to lose more than we win season. Yeah, we lose more seasons and win. 
we know we're not the most successful team in baseball, but we love our Phillies. You know, you're, you're hooked. There's no getting away from them. They're, we know what they are. We know what it is. And every year, we just hope this is going to be a year It's going to get better. Every year, I say before the start of the season, this is the year. This is it. This is it. Playoffs. Even when we had the likes of Blanco and, and Tommy Joseph and, you know, <laughs> and some of the the... 2015 roster that just really had no hope of getting there, but you still think at the start of the year, this is it, you know, it's going to go our way. And I'm, I'm exactly the same now this year. I can't think of a, a bigger test of that than watching the Phillies bullpen last year. So how did you get through that? Oh, uh, I, that it's, it's thinking about it. It still pains me. Brandon Workman, Henry, even Phelps, you know, when he came from the Brewers, he had a good record when he came from the Brewers. And I was, I was like, okay, there comes David Phelps. Good. We're going to some stability. He was bad. You know, the injuries didn't help, no doubt about it. But I, <laughs> I don't think I've even fully recovered now. I need to see a good start from this bullpen to help me get over last year because at the back of my mind, I'm still worried that that, that psychological bullpen meltdowns going to happen so i think it's really really important that this team makes a good start with the bullpen the bullpen comes out first we've got the braves have met so wow we need the bullpen to be on it first you know straight straight in because it's two tough games two tough series to start the season with if they can make a good start and we can hold some games win some games and the bullpen performs well then i'll start to relax and go okay we're in good hands here and we can forget last year but at the moment i'm still not fully over it. I, I need to be convinced. Um, but I'm feeling a lot more positive. I, I think the acquisitions we've made to that bullpen have been far, far better than last year. I like the way they've done it. It's it's all filler, no killer. They've thrown high velocity arms at it. That You know, uh, Alvarez, Kinsler, I think, could come through. Uh, so many. I, I look at the roster and I'm like, I can't, I oh yeah we got him we got Ivan Nova who's starting tomorrow you know it's like oh I forgot about that we've just we've just got so many names and uh Carfum, um I have so much faith in that guy he's one of the best pitching coaches out there he is gonna he alone is gonna help transform his ball can can help I'm not gonna say will not gonna jump the gun but can definitely help transform that bullpen so I'm a lot more optimistic I'm looking forward to spring training and see seeing this battle for the roster spots because it's gonna be it's gonna be in it's going to be tough. We've got a lot of pitches. We've got rotation spots up for grabs, a lot of bullpen spots up for grabs. So I am more positive than last year, but I'm not quite over last year just yet. Uh, I agree. And uh, I think nothing says Philly's fan, like being worried about the bullpen. That's just <laughs> comes with the territory. Uh, so looking at that, I think I'm kind of with you. I really like what Dave Dombrowski did to, you know, mm. to build up the roster and, one of my criticisms of uh, Matt Clintack is that you know he never quite knew how to fill out the 40 man, or at least he never you know moved in that direction. And I think you know the the, the Phillies have they might have the problem of too much pitching, but I don't think that's ever really been a problem for anyone, especially no. with this year. Just like, you know the nature of injuries and everything, you know you need that that roster depth. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward, to, you know, to seeing them, you know, as they try to to weather September. Yeah, and I think it definitely helps that we now we have a double A and triple A season as well. So we're not bringing pitchers in from the cold off a taxi squad where they're just playing into squad games every day and getting pretty fed up. We're gonna have 
not all of them are going to make it that we've brought in the summer. And I think that's the idea. Get as many as possible, especially the 100-mile-an-hour arms. Get them in. They're not all going to work, but we can definitely find some hidden gems in there. And especially with Caleb, he, he's going to find some gems in there. That's why I'm, like you said, Dave's done a great job. Because back in November, it looked dire, didn't it? You know, Middleton coming out saying, oh, I don't know how many fans are in the, we're going to be in the stands. We're not really going to be buying. Uh, Clintac looked like he was going to stay. We'd lost JT and Diddy. Like I had, that was the lowest I'd be on the Phillies was the, the beginning of this off season. Like my, my, I'm a glass half full guy and I was empty. I was like, this is the lowest I've ever felt about the Phillies. I just didn't know what direction, like Bryce said in his, uh, in his interview of the day, you know, what direction we had no direction. We we're sort of me- meandering. Like, and then Dave Dombrowski comes in, and since then, Sam Foles followed, Caleb, JT's back, Diddy's back, the pictures have all come in, and all of a sudden, a few months later, I'm I'm, I'm back, you know, I'm back feeling positive about this team, and can't wait for tomorrow for the spring training games, and can't wait for that opening series against the Braves, which, wow, what a statement that would be if we can make a good start against them. Oh, definitely, and I'm with you where, you know, I saw the Bryce Harper interview, and I was actually kind of surprised to the point where I felt good because of the interview because mm. I was in the exact same spot. I know we actually did a podcast. This was probably the week that they floated those rumors about Zach Wheeler and maybe Bryce Harper being on the, the, the trading block, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. that was a thing for maybe about two days. And, you know, we were, we were just livid with, you know, what happened. We've gone through all this rebuild and yeah, you, know, you, you get the feeling that they're at least circling, you know, hovering around contention a little bit, and you know, to go that far and then to just have everything be threatened uh, to just be torn down again. Yeah. it was just a very like, crisis of you know fan faith, and the, you know, then you know, Dabrowski came in, and when I saw that Harper was feeling the same way it kind of made me feel good because he's someone who's in here for the long term. He, he didn't sign that massive count contract and then, you know, build in a, you know, a trade clause or something like that. You know, he's here for the long term. And the fact that he was also concerned, it at least makes me feel good that the players were, you know, sitting around going, well, wait a minute, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. That's it. it just shows how much they care. Like, like Bryce was brought here to be, the team to build around you know Middleton sold him he got him here because we're gonna build a successful club like we're gonna challenge and then all of a sudden it's like well JT's gone Diddy's gone so Harper's mind must have been well, what, why have you brought me here we're gonna just tear it all down I know COVID was tough and Middleton has a, had a point at that time we didn't know where COVID was gonna go and, and what the attendances were gonna be like but still you don't want to hear it as a fan you don't want him to come out and say this just uh, you know we just missed out on the playoffs we just lost jt and diddy and now we're, we're hearing him saying well i doubt we're going to spend because we don't know how many fans we're going to get you know I'd, I'd, I'd rather not hear that you know because we sort of know already but to i just like in your face you know ah, we're not going to buy you know you thought you were feeling low um but dave dombrowski i think has had a lot to do with middleton getting his money out um he, he's a winner and when he first came in, Dombrowski, I thought, I was unsure, I ain't going to lie. I was like, okay, he's a winner, but he's very much a sell the farm at all co- and win at all costs type guy. Whereas I was very reassured by his first interview. He said, look, the farm's going to stay. I'm going to try and build something here in these five years. 
And, and he's proved that so far because we've made no trades. We've picked up some really savvy acquisitions. And the the fan base, Dave Dombrowski has helped bring the fan base from the, the gutter where we all were back in November to hyped up. And I'm just glad we we have gone for it the best we can. We, we could have just spent no money and sort of, and that would have been brutal because this division's tough. If we'd spent nothing and lost JT and Diddy, we would have been absolutely picked apart by this division. So the fact that we're going into this incredible division with actually a chance that if things click, like the offense was brilliant last year, top 10 offense, top five in some categories. That's now together. Brad Miller, great acquisition. Scott Kingery, bounce back here. Surely this is it for Kingery. He's going to bounce back. Reese has been is coming back fit. Big boost already. One, six, two games out of Alec Boehm. The offense is great. But pit rotations improve. Jake's gone. Well, let's leave it in question. It's question mark. It's question mark. It's about the bullpen still, you know, how they're going to go and the rotation. But there's a lot more upside in the rotation and bullpen this, this year than what we had last year. And if we get that upside, if it clicks and the offense stays the same, there is no reason why we can't be looking at 86 wins plus, which should contend for a wild card. And I'll take that. So is there one player that you think, you know, 2021 is going to be the year that, you know, everything kind of centers around him, you know, outside of Bryce Harper and everything like sort of um, like, like the X factor, you know, guy that you don't think is going to be, you know, under the radar type. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I've got got one pitcher and I think Zach Eflin, I think Zach Eflin for the pitching side, I think he made a huge leap last year. Like he's a bona fide free man rotation. Now, he could again all the pet things got to click caleb's there caleb's already said he likes what you see as zach already this year i i think zach could take that step to being up to wheeler level no level i'm not saying brilliant like best picture i'm saying we could have an absolute brilliant one two three with nola uh, wheeler and efflin and efflin can definitely definitely maintain that and build on what he did last year. And I think he can. I really like what I saw out of Eflin. And at times he looked, he looked elite. I'm not saying all the time, I'm not saying he could be elite, but at times, a couple of games and a couple of um, full game, complete games last year. And at times he just looked, he looked dialed in. And when he looked dialed in, whoo, he looked like a really p- good pitcher and people were swinging and missing against him. And like, not just the, not just by a little, but by a lot. They couldn't read what Eflin was doing. So there's so much, I saw so much potential. Uh, player, uh, uh, I say it every year, but this year, Scott Kingery, please. Yep. I just still believe in the guy. I saw him through the minors. Kingery and Hoskins were like the first sort of guys that from the draft. I thought, I want to follow some players in the draft and come all the way up. And Kingery and Hoskins were the two guys that we sort of picked on at the start and then seen them come up. And Kingery, if he just stops trying to, Swing for the fences. Oh, man, he can be so much more dangerous. Get the doubles. His speed on base is crucial. I think he's got he's he's got a hard hit, but he over... Okay, yeah, last year he had problems. COVID, long COVID. He was seriously affected by that. And, that, you know, I've had friends who've had long COVID. And they've, some of them are still affected now, six months on, even just with breathing, even just with movement, you know, and it's tough. And Scott's here was playing through that. And I understand that from personal experience with my friends. So that, that's got to be tough. Um, but it seems like he's come back better. He's got contacts in now. 
He's lost a bit of weight. He's looking lean. He's looking beefed up on the arms, but lost a little bit on his on his thighs and stomach. He's looking, he's looking good. This is the year that he takes. I think he's going to start predominantly center field. I think him and Hazy are going to rotate. I think that position's his for the taking. His versatility could also help. If it doesn't work out, then infield, fine. But I think with his speed in the outfield, uh, with his defense that will get better more in the outfield, I think Scott Kingery, and if you can just get those doubles in, get those triples in, get just get on base, Scotty, because his speed, his speed's so dangerous. You know, he could top stolen bases. He could top the doubles. He could top the RBIs if he just focuses more on getting it, keeping it in the park than hitting swinging for the fences because it just it's not happening. He's over swinging and then he loses himself throughout the years. We or the couple of years we've seen him. I think he's felt the pressure. I think he said that himself actually. He's he felt the pressure, the big contract, good spring training, and then the Phillies have just invested heavily in him. And I think he's felt that. Whereas this year he feels more more accomplished in the team, more of a team player, more like I should be here now. He's got the interview I saw, he's got more of a desire about him. He wants to get in there. He wants to make the center field his own. So, yeah, Scotty Kingery. I'd like to see Adam Hazley improve more as well. I think there's more to come from Hazley. Uh, he, he's a first-round draft pick, you know, and he, he showed potential last year. He's consistent, and he's a type of player that if it goes a click again, it's a big if, as is with everyone in baseball, but if he starts clicking and getting on base more, he could be a potential leadoff. You know, he's very good average, very good at getting the ball in play. Hazy was dependable last year, and I, I'm hoping he can make that next step. Yeah, I agree. Kingery would have been my choice as well. He just, yeah. it seems like this is the year that if he's going to, to take that next step, you know, this would be the year. So my last question, I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, here we are. Are the Phillies making the playoffs in 2021? <laughs> uh, yeah. Wild card. I just I, the good thing is in our division is that the Braves and Mets look good, but they have vulnerabilities as well. You know, they're not bulletproof. In fact, the only team I think are a bit bulletproof are the Dodgers in, in baseball in, in our side, in the national side. We've the, the big thing is we've got to get we've got to beat the Marlins. Like we cannot go through another year of the Marlins having our number because they have crushed our playoffs for the last two years. We can't go easy against the teams we should be beating, especially the Marlins. No disrespect to the Marlins because they were a good team last year, but still, we've got a bit. We're to win those games because psychologically, it took, every time we lost a series to the Marlins, we're then going on a losing run. It, it just killed the team. It sort of like, oh, bummer. We've lost to the Marlins again. It sort of takes a while to pick them up. Marlins have really been that team to derail us every time for the last two years. So I'm hopeful this year, finally, we can get their number. I don't think the Nats will be too strong. I've, I know some people are high on the Nats, but I'm I'm not convinced. Not convinced at all. So every the thing I can't wait for every series game is going to matter more than ever. I know it's cliche. Of course, divisional games matter, but get ones get some momentum over the Braves and Mets, and then keep it up against the Marlins, and then the rest of you know outside the Dodgers and Padres, every other team is really beatable. Like we should be picking up a lot of games against other divisions. Um, so. I'm going to say I'm glass half full and it comes to no surprise to anybody, but I'm going to say, yes, the drought is going to end. We're going to get a wild card spot. 80. I'm going to, I'm going to be optimistic and say things do click and I'm going to say 87 wins, which will bag us a wild card. I think the Mets will, I think the Braves won the division, unfortunately, but I think 
Unless their rotation really does collapse. I don't know. The Braves' rotation and bullpen for that matter isn't great. Um, Mets, Mets, Mets' defense isn't... I don't know. Like I said, every they've, everyone's got vulnerabilities. So no one's exactly bulletproof. Um, 87 wins, wild card. I'm... Almost there. I'm about 84, 85 wins. I think if they, make... I see. I would know what. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, I think if they just had one more player specifically in the rotation, that might put them over. Yeah, Mister. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take at this after you know the last decade or so of you know the rebuild. I will take that. I don't want to see two previous Septembers we've just seen. You know, if we don't make the playoffs, but we actually give it a go this time and actually turn up in the series in September, if Nola can finally get this performance going in September, if we can give it a good go, that for I'll, I would take that. You know, get above 500 would be great. But to be contending and actually beat the Braves in a series and actually make it really close and show, because that race series at the end, they look flat. You know, that, and that's what hit me hard last year. The play, It looked like, I know the players said they, they were trying, but from the outside, Look like their heads were gone. They, they looked tired. The Rays were good. Yeah, come on. The Rays are a great team. But the effort in the last two Septembers has been pretty poor. I just want to see, yeah, like you said, let's be relevant. You know, let's not get September and then everyone goes, oh, the Phillies are there, but they'll have the usual September slump. Let's just put that out the window. And I feel there's a very different vibe with Dave Dombrowski and the coaches in. And there's a different buzz. And I've, a lot of people are sleeping on us this year. And I think that's a good thing. The media are completely overlooking the Phillies. Some have us below 80 wins, you know? <laughs> and I, and that, that's good. Sleep on us. Let's, let's just take all the pressure away. Put it all on the Braves and Mets. You know, the Mets are going to have an incredible amount of pressure with their new owners. I'm, I'm saying 87 if it all clicks. And it could. As I say, there's a lot more upside in this team. But if we get 84, 83, 84, 85 wins and we're actually playing in September and winning games and being relevant and actually giving it a go, then I'll, I'll take that because you, you can't ask much more than that. You know, I'll definitely take 87 wins if that comes our way. But for now, you know, it's still spring training. I'm glad to hear, uh, you know, that little optimism. That's thank you for having me, guys. It's been it's been great, and I'd love to come back on if you ever if you ever looking for a guest later on in the season. John, I'm struck by two things listening to that. One, that's got to be about as organic a a fandom story as there is. You know, we talked when we first started doing this how we were literally born into it, but not everybody is. So to hear somebody pick up Phillies fandom out of all things, Phillies fandom on their own in such a way it's 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 great to hear and the enthusiasm that he clearly has for the team and the sport it really gets you excited for the start of another season well he talked about it you can't accuse him of being a bandwagon fan right (laughs) there are very few i would imagine bandwagon phillies fans at this moment as is like a decade into the rebuild so no one's going to accuse him of that he is a Phillies fan all the way. Uh, I loved uh, speaking with him. And I'm also amazed that he was able to give the right answer to the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia. Dallas Andrews <laughs> can't go wrong. Well, our thanks to Dave Shaw at UK Phillies on Twitter. We will definitely talk to him again at some point during this season. John, I think that's a good place for us to call it quits this week. We'll be back next week. For now, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and more. You can find us on social media at Bluebirds Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, our website, bluebirdspodcast.com. And don't forget, we are still doing the Chase Utley bobblehead giveaway. We've had a few ratings kind of starting to trickle in. So definitely get in while you still can. We're going to be running it through the month of March. Again, I will send a Chase Utley bobblehead doll to your house free of charge. All you have to do is leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Again, U.S. listeners only, please have mercy on me for the shipping costs. Ironic, John, that you would have to give that disclaimer after interviewing somebody in the U.K., but our thanks once again to Dave Shaw at UK Phillies for calling in and chatting with John over the weekend. Check him out on Twitter or on his podcast, Broad Street to Britain. We are definitely going to have Dave back again sometime soon. But until next week, John, take care, and I'll talk to you later. See you next week.